What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of The Bullpen. I've got an incredible treat for you guys. If I'm going to be honest, completely honest, I'm just going to give you guys a little snippet of what who you're going to hear from today. This is probably one of the most prolific entrepreneurs in the country. And I'm not, I'm not, you're going to, you laugh. I'm not, I'm not mincing words when I say that, right? What you've been able to accomplish is something that, you know, that's, that's not something that just anybody can do, right? That's something that everyone who goes to these ClickFunnels things, everyone that just really wants to get into e-commerce or whatever business it is, would look to what you've accomplished and say, holy shit, how has he done that? So, you know, I want you guys to really pay attention because what, what you're going to hear from is literally a legend, right? I'm not kidding. A legend in what he's been able to accomplish. I've been following him for a really long time. Big car guy. Let me just kind of introduce uh, my guest here. Uh, he started selling items found by garage shopping in high school, right? Mm -hmm. Along with that and other recreational activities, <laughs> in quotations, <laughs> he got into, his dad pulled him out of school and his mom's house to live with him. He attended a self-awareness training and started to pull his shit together. Fast forward to his early 20s, selling car parts on eBay and getting headhunted by Mitsubishi. I did not know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, he worked here for a year because they couldn't afford how much commission he was making. That's awesome. That, see, that's so badass, dude. I'm so excited to learn from you today. He went to high school dropout to unemployment. So that's your dropout unemployment to become a master in e-commerce. He's a multimillionaire founder and owner of a business that does over $29 million in annual revenue. A big-time race car driver, professional race car driver, like the serious shit that's like that could kill you, but you still do it anyway, and that's... Uh, Badass as shit, right? Um, owning vehicles is dreams. Him and his team, this is what's so incredible. Him and his team have 17 click funnel, two comma club awards, and three two comma club X awards. It's calculated that one out of every 17 award ever given out. Th these are multi-million dollar awards or million dollar awards, by the way. One out of every 17 given out was given to you. Yeah. That's a like I, I was I was freaking out when I got one, right? The fact that you've been able to accomplish over and over again, right? And a big saying from this dude right here is I don't follow the rules. I don't know the rules. Honestly, I don't give a shit what the rules are. Jason Harward, thank you so much for being on, brother. All right, thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. We're coming on. Well, just I'm not so, missing just so you words. Know, that that bio is a couple years old. Is it? Oh yeah. We need to update this yeah, then. We need to update that. Well, twenty nine million, I think, was twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah. I was about okay. So what what are we looking at now? Uh, this year we'll do 100 million. Last year we did 65 million. I've had 100 percent year growth uh, year over year since we started in 2012. See, this is what I'm saying, yeah. right? You, you, you laugh at that. I'm not kidding. Like when I say like like when you look at like all you know the entrepreneurs out there that we can learn from, right? Whether on social media or not, what you've accomplished is is something that like I thought I was doing good when I did one. You've done this over and over and over again. And if it's once, it could be an accident. If it's twice, it might be. But at that, at that point, at what you've been able to accomplish, this is a skill set that you have mastered, that you've been able to do. And I think you're going to go down as like the biggest legend in the e-commerce space. And I, I truly mean that because I think people are really just starting to get to know who you are. You yeah. know, if I'm completely honest, I think you're really starting to kind of get your name out there. People realize like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, right? definitely in the shadows most of the time. <laughs> well, I mean, I wish you weren't because like you got so much you know knowledge that you could show people. But really, how did this all start? What I like, what's your story? You know, because this is like stuff about you, but like you don't do what you've done just by being any average schmo. Like, what what's your story? 
Dude, it, it goes back, man. There's so many. I, I don't think I have a specific thing that I can pinpoint saying, oh, this was the pinnacle when everything shifted and changed. I, I think that I'm weird in general. And, <laughs> and maybe that's the case. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. But I feel like my whole philosophy on how to do stuff is trial and error. And mm-hmm. I would much rather listen to myself, my own gut, and make my own decisions and then analyze the results of those decisions. Mm-hmm over ever listening to what somebody else has to say or how to do something. And I feel like that's what I did. Mm. And I did it over and over and over and over again. And, you know, I learned a lot of stuff the hard way. Obviously I lost a lot of money, had a lot of big problems, but at the same time, I know more about failure now than almost anybody else I know, especially in this space. I know a lot of ways not to do things. Mm. Um, And so I think that just kind of catapulted me into making good decisions, better decisions constantly Mm. and more frequently. Well, I mean, what you just said, that's, that's so cr- I heard someone actually say this. It's almost more important knowing not what not to do than sometimes knowing what to do. Because mm-hmm. when you first start out as an entrepreneur, there's no way you can know exactly what to do. And in all honesty, there's a lot of different ways to do it, right? So there's yeah. not one set way of doing anything, especially since, you know, you've had so much success with so many different products and businesses. It's not the same thing over and over again. But what someone actually told me, it's more important to understand what not to do rather than knowing exactly what to do. And you've done that through obviously trial, error, a lot of failure, I'm assuming, oh, yeah. right? Yep. What's one of the biggest things you've experienced with like failure? Dude, I got so many failure things. Uh, pick one, uh, Mom's Coffee company I had. Uh, going into a huge audience. It's honestly, everything about it seems like it's gonna be perfect. Going and it to just war with Starbucks. Kicked my ass, man. <laughs> I lost so much money, so much time, so much energy. If you don't mind me asking. For how much money roughly did you lose? Oh, man. I probably lost six, seven hundred thousand in a very short window, though. I think we ran it for maybe two, three months. Well, most people will kind of take that as like a sign, like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Right. Probably shouldn't be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Right. No, seriously. Like, how many people lose six, seven hundred grand and then probably just think, like, okay, I need, I need, I need to quit this. Sure. So why didn't you? I mean, it was just in the mix of some of the stuff I do. That's one that got real bad. I think there's, there's, when I look at things and look at mistakes, there's there's a couple ways to look at it when you're approaching something in business or the way I approach stuff in business. I can try to prove that something works, and that is what I tried doing with Mom's Coffee. I kept trying over and over and over again to prove that it works, and that gets really expensive, getting my teeth kicked in over and over and over again. And, and I learned the hard way because I've done this multiple times now, but really, if I look for what isn't working, it's way faster and cheaper, and I can disprove things faster so I can move on to the next thing. So... In that case, I kept trying to prove that it worked and I lost a lot of money. I should know better than that now. Mm. Um, I'd probably still do it again just because I'm, <laughs> you know, I do that. But, right. but yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on that is, mm. is trying to, uh, trying to set it up so that I, I'm, I'm not attached to it before it actually shows the results that I should be attached to it. Mm. Well, so, I mean, so we're, I want to get to that, but what, something that you keep saying over and over again, since I've met you, you've said this so many times and I want to, I want to ask you about this. You keep saying I'm weird. Yeah. <laughs> and I, hear, I hear you saying like, you know, I'm weird, like I'm different. Right. And I think that's actually pretty fucking badass because you have to be weird. You have to be weird. Like it's weird. What, like people look at you when you're doing these things or like as an entrepreneur, just in general, just doing one of these things. A lot of times the first thing to say is like, that's weird. Like, why are you doing that? Right. Yeah. You kind of have to be weird. You have to be different in order to do what you've done in order to have, you know, the balls to go out and do what you've done. Right. But being weird is a really, really good thing as an entrepreneur. I don't think a whole lot of people, you know, think, you know, really, really even think that way. 
Yeah. Right. So like, why do you say you're weird? (laughs) The way I approached up, it's weird from everything else I hear from people. And like you said, you got to be a special kind of stupid to go out and break (laughs) all of the rules. And I mean, anything down for like, like systems that I've chosen to use because they work for me. When I first came out got my first awards, went out to a ClickFunnels event. Uh, one of the guys out there was telling me to my face that what I'm doing is not possible, basically calling me a liar. And it's one of those ones I'm like, interesting. I know I'm not a liar because I'm mm-hmm. actually doing it. And, it right. and it's like the way I'm doing things is weird. And mm-hmm. it's weird because it's not the standardized way that people want you to do things. Or the one guy that had success that's now teaching it and has 50 other people that are all doing the same exact thing now. And that is now the tried true method of doing it. And so I'm weird in that I don't give a fucking shit what they're doing. I don't care because I'm going to kick their ass and I'm going to do it with my own data and my own results and I'll beat them day in and day out because my results don't lie. And their results, if it's on a proven method, they have to do that same method. Their results don't necessarily line up with their methodologies. And so it's weird when I say, I I say I'm weird because I don't listen to other people's philosophies. I don't care what they're doing. I don't listen to what my competition's doing. I don't care what they're doing. I look at my own results, look at my own stuff, my own data and make my own decisions. That's a, that's a hell of a competitive way of thinking, right? I mean, I I really want to know where did that come from? Right? Like you're like, that's, that's, that's like alpha mentality. Like that's like, I'm going to make this work no matter what. I don't care what anyone else says. You could call me a liar. You can, you know, come up with your own try and true method. I will make mine work when, you know, any other, I'm sure probably people who are like, you know, maybe even considered mentors at the time told you want to work. You still found a way to make it work with your methodology. You have to be extremely confident to do that. You have to have a lot of self-belief and really just this, this inner like whisper that like I can do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Right. Where does that come from? Dude, that's, think, that's pretty badass. Honestly, man, it's, it's, it's built over time. I want to say that I just woke up with it one day. That's not the case. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, but at the end of the day, you're totally right. I a hundred percent trust myself to solve any problem that comes my way. And that's empowering. I, yeah. That means that I can solve anything. That means that I can do literally anything that I want to do. I can solve and I can, I believe in myself enough mm. that, that it doesn't really matter what it is. Mm. I'll solve it. Yeah. That also means that I'm probably not going to listen to somebody the way somebody else solved it. Cause I don't need to, I'll just you do it my need, way. And it's not necessarily that there's a bad, you just don't need it. Right. Right. Well, I mean, what you're saying here is to me, what that sa- says to me is that you've got one hell of a, uh, track record with yourself. You've got integrity. Yeah. You don't, you don't develop that kind of self-confidence. You don't, you don't develop that kind of badass mentality to say, I will make this work. And I believe in myself to make it work no matter what, unless you have integrity because integrity is keeping promises to yourself. Integrity is keeping promises to others. And when you continually over and over again, keep those same promises to yourself, all of a sudden you realize I can do whatever the fuck I want. Cause when I put my mind to something, I fucking do it. It's about accountability is what I look at this. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you hold, so you, you're, you've kind of mastered, you hold yourself accountable a lot. Oh yeah. My, my version of accountability is, is very, very deep. It's not, uh, it's not what most people think it is. Whisper to us, tell us. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to lay on the secrets. All right, good. Uh, so uh, I have this with my, a lot of my employees. We go through a lot of this stuff. So, so I think the first level of accountability is, is, I mean, the, the term accountability, where does it come from? It's the ability to account for what happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And so most people look at accountability and it's easy to say, you know, X, Y, Z happened. Most people, by the way, don't even look ever at what happened at the results ever. Mm. Um, but the first version of accountability is just for accounting for what happened and it has nothing to do with me. It's just in general, this is the set of events that happened to got where we were at, where we got to the next level of accountability is, is owning your piece of it and how you attributed to that result. Mm. That's like 
very, very rare to find people that will look at something and especially when it's shitty, like, like I got rear ended in the Lambo. I was telling you about this yeah, on the freeway. I got rear ended. Most people look at that and say, listen, I was driving on the freeway. I got rear ended. That's step one. I counted for what happened. I did. I got rear ended. Right. The second version of it is how do I end up in that spot? I'm a professional fucking race car driver. I saw him coming. And what I did is I didn't leave myself enough room in the car in front of me to move over out of his way. And so I would have avoided it and hit him. I could have done something you different. You took responsibility for an accident where some dude rear-ended you. Correct. What? <laughs> so, so, but because, because here's the thing. I can't make a new decision in life or in anything else if I'm not looking at how I did it. If, I, if I'm a victim in this situation... What can I do differently next time? Nothing. Mm. What can I learn? How can I grow? There's nothing that can happen. All I'm doing is for accounting for what happened. If I make it about myself and I can see how I got me into that situation, I can now make way different decisions in the future. Does that make sense? Yeah. Here's where it gets fucking crazy. The third level of accountability now is looking into the future because I know enough stuff now that I can, I can make decisions now that will impact the outcomes later, especially when it's somebody else's. If I'm putting something on somebody else's plate, if I, if let's start stupid shit, if, if I blew up my car, oh, this is a great example. Actually, I was in uh, first time I ever traveled. I went to circuit of the Americas in, in Texas and uh, the car caught on fire on the practice day on Friday, like fucking went up in flames on fire in the practice I, day, in the practice day. I didn't get to race. Right. Shit. And so what is my options at that point? I'm looking at it from the accountable standpoint and I'm saying, oh, listen, if I want to actually race, that's the decision I want to do. What I can do is I can tell the race team, hey, guys, do whatever you can to solve this. What I know is their problem uh, solving abilities is not going to be even where, anywhere close to what I can solve mm. because they just don't do it. They don't practice it like I practice it, mm. right? And so I accounted for what happened. It caught on fire. My fault. We didn't update one of the fuel lines. I get all that stuff. But if I look to the future, how do I control what happens in the future by accountably looking at it? I already know that that race team is not going to be able to solve their problem on their own. So what I did is I got on the phone, I called a shop in Salt Lake City, they had an extra spare car, I had them strip down all the parts that I needed, put it into a fucking duffel bag, got on a jet, flew the fucking plane, they landed at midnight, they fucking worked all night long, fixed my fucking car, and I was driving the next day. But that shit is because I was accountable enough to know that if I didn't actually <laughs> control the situation and the narrative and the outcome that I wanted to have happen, it would never have fucking happened. So that's my three levels of accountability I don't share this very often, by the way, wow. but if, if you can master those three things, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do seriously, like mm. anything. I mean, dude, you sound like Jocko Willink. You know who that is? I have no idea who that is. Jocko is that Navy, the commander of the Navy SEALs, um, and he talks about something called extreme ownership. And what you just described sounds like the most, the perfect definition of taking total ownership of everything that happens in your life. I mean... You took ownership for getting for an accident that someone rear-ended you. Every other human being on this planet would probably say, like, that bastard, you know, and, like, start blaming other things, you know. But, like, I'm just listening to you, and I'm just hearing this, and I'm thinking, well, that sounds like the most resourceful, you know, entrepreneur I've ever heard of. Because you, like, dude, you call, you call, you call someone in Salt Lake, have them fly it out there to come fix it and to be resourceful enough to make that happen. Because I'm hearing that, I'm thinking of all the excuses that someone could have come up with to stop along the way. 
Yeah. Probably would have been good excuses too. No, they're all great excuses. Like, seriously, like think about that. I My car blew up. I should have flown home. That's right. what, that's the reasonable thing to do. The right. reasonable thing to do is shit. That sucks. I'm gonna that's, fly home. Yeah, we'll fix the car. We'll come another time. There's probably a really good story if you stay, you know talk to it about one day. Like, hey, my car blew up, but I didn't get I didn't give up, so I came out with another car one day. You know, you can hear that, but like what you're talking about is a whole nother level of accountability where you're going to make it happen no matter what, and you're going to take that ownership on yourself to make it happen. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, that makes so much sense. Like, why you're accomplishing what you're doing because you. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You're analyzing every situation that you can. Mm-hmm. And taking taking ownership and learning from every mistake that happens, yeah. which now they just say that clicks to back what you just said. The reason why you're at today is because you've looked at every single failure and you've looked at every way it didn't work and you found a way to make it work instead. Yeah. That's incredible, right? How many entrepreneurs are looking for the failures? How many people in life are looking for the failures? Not many. I mean, I know I know so many people, family, friends, people, coworkers, whatever. They are full of excuses, man. They are full of excuses, and sometimes they're really good ones. Most of the time they are. But it's the people who overcome overcome any excuse no matter what happens. Those are the people who get where they want to be, who have the success, who have the cars, who have the dream, because they make it happen no matter what comes their way. I mean, like like you know, I say, come what may and love it, because come no matter what happens, I can find a way. This mountain might be really high, but I can find a way to get over it, whether it's helicopter or hiking, right? Right. But... I mean, resourcefulness, I mean, that's one of the things I think every entrepreneur, you know, listening to this needs to understand. How resourceful are you? Because if you're resourceful enough to make it happen, if you believe in yourself that you're going to figure out a way, well, the ways just kind of somehow appear. Yes. And I don't even mean like somehow appear, like all of a sudden, like it, you just find a way. When you start not playing by the rules, options become available that nobody else can see. Where did this click in? Because obviously this is a big rule for you, not playing by the rules. Yeah. Interesting, that's a rule that, you know, don't play by the rules. Yeah. <laughs> where did that start? Like, what happened to you when you just were like, I'm going to make my own rules? Man, was there a moment? or I don't even think there's a moment. I feel like that's how my approach it's has been. It's always, huh? People tell you how they, how it should be done, and, and I just, I sometimes they're right. Sometimes it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that makes perfect sense. That's an easy way to do it, and great. Yeah. Uh, also, I have, what if I did it this way? It's like, oh, they've never done it before. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try it. I don't know. Might go against the secrets of how to do it or whatever. Right. Because, I mean, right now, I'm sure you have people reaching out to you all the time wanting to learn from you. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. I want to learn from you, right? I want to learn. I want to pick your brain. I want to dissect, like, what makes this guy who he is, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm sure you have people, you know, wanting to learn from you all the time. But then there's this, you know, because in an entrepreneur space, everyone just wants to learn. Right. So then we're very familiar with people out there teaching the one you're just talking about this teaching the one method. Yep. Right. This is the one tried and true method. If you do anything outside of this, it's not going to work. This is the method we've tested. It. This is how it goes. Right. Yep. You've taken a completely opposite approach from that of saying you can use a lot of different methods and make them all work. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, you're not going to follow somebody else's method. The probability of you following somebody else's method and taking it to a hundred million dollar a year company is not probable. It's not going to happen, right? Because the, these blocks that people play with, it may be a good starting point. Mm-hmm. I don't want to bash on that. Sure. If you're just barely figuring out how to do e-commerce and you're like, ah, man, maybe there's something that will explain how to build the right headers that are going to help convert. There's nothing wrong with that. Learn mm-hmm. it. That's fine. Right. I don't have a problem with that. But don't come in with the expectation that you're going to be able to follow a methodology and it's going to take you to $100 million a year because it's not. you got to be a special kind of stupid to go out and adventure into stuff that's like nobody else in this space is doing anything like this. Mm. This could be the most retarded thing ever or it could be the most 
badass thing ever. I mean, you look at everybody that does epic stuff. Look at look at, uh, at you know Elon Musk. What he does, if you, oh. he's a fucking moron, <laughs> and, he's, and and the smartest moron there ever was, right. right? Like like you look at the way that that they built Amazon and and, yeah. and Bezos built that. You got to be a special kind of stupid to go out and do something that is so far fundamentally different than what everybody else is doing. It takes a special kind of stupid, and and at the same time, <laughs> it, it only appears that way until after the fact. Because if you look at what I do now, and people are like, "Oh, that's genius." You know what people were telling me the entire way I was doing it? The fuck are you doing? Mm. That's not the right way. Mm. This isn't what you should be doing. Why are you doing it? This doesn't make any sense. Why would you do it that way? Mm. And so. On the, you know, they got 2020 vision looking back at it and being like, oh, yeah, of course. It was simple. This was very, very easy how you got here and did all these things. But the reality is, I still make decisions today that people look at and they're like, what the hell are you doing? And it's, it's because it goes against their methodology. It goes against everything else. They're like, that can't possibly be the way. Yeah. But you're breaking barriers. Correct. Well, I mean, so that, that's, that's it. So when I, when I do sales, right, I, one of my, one of my favorite things to do is teach sales. Yeah. And the way I teach sales, I say, make it your own. That's literally the exact way I say, make it your own. Throw out the script. Get that shit out of here. Quit being a robot, mm -hmm. right? I Like, I believe the old method of sales is done. The sales, you know, where like, you know, when phones, you know, were first in Venice, when all of a sudden call centers were popping up, right? And the scripts and all that stuff, right? I hate scripts with a passion. I believe corporations give out scripts because they don't want to invest time and energy into training. So they say, okay, if we give out this script, we can at least count on 20 or 30% conversions. Mm -hmm. So they just kind of get these numbers. But in my opinion, if you want to learn sales, you have to make it your own. You have to sit down, understand principles of communication, and then just make it your own. Talk to the human being, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a conversation with the human being and you can problem solve, well, then you make it your own system. And what you're saying right here, you're making these systems your own. Right, I'm sure you. I'm sure you go out there and you take like something from other people's, you know, quivers. Like you take an arrow from that and stick it in here. And oh, hey, I like what this guy does. And I stick it in here, and you're learning uh, like bits and pieces. But at the end of the day, you're creating your own, I guess, quiver or masterpiece of like all these different things, and making it something totally unique when you look at it. But really, it's a compilation of all these different methodologies and so to speak. Is that is that kind of along the lines? Does that match up? Yeah, ish. ish. I take most most of my quivers that I'm pulling are out of thin air. I don't. I'm not listening to most people's stuff, which is not normal. Again, no, it's not normal. So, so like you take the other top dogs that are in there. Like I know their names. Like I I know who some people are. Yeah, I have no idea. I've never listened to a fucking word they've said about how to sell stuff online, because I don't care. I don't. I don't want the problem. I have is is, is it scares me to death to learn somebody else's methodologies because I'm paranoid that I will be put into a box of this is the way to do it. And that will hinder my ability to look out here outside the box and say, this is a fucking interesting idea that scares me to death. So I don't generally take quivers from people, but at the same time, am I using like Facebook to do marketing? Yeah. So it's, I'd say that's kind of a quiver. I'm using sure, Facebook. Yeah. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at other people's methodologies. You're I'm not, looking at my own results. You're not taking like their courses or programs and like all oh, copy and paste kind of thing. Nothing. Right? Uh, my comp my competitors. What competitors? I don't pay a single fucking attention to anything that they're doing. I do not care because all that they're doing is following. My competitors literally follow me, which is fine. I don't care that they follow me. I'm going to kick their ass all day. It's the same thing in racing cars. I, I use this analogy a lot, where if if you come out and you go racing cars with me and you follow me, what are the probability? What is the probability that you'll win the race? Zero. Zero. There's fucking zero chance you're going to win the race. Oh, I like that. Okay. 
In fact, if you go out and follow somebody who else who doesn't know what they're doing or had one success and, and has their one methodology, they're going to go drive the car. And if they put it in the wall, guess what you do? You're right fucking behind them and you put it into the wall. That's what happens. So the way you I know, look like at you've, it. You've had a car in the wall before. I've had a car in the wall. I wasn't following somebody. <laughs> has my own stupidity. <laughs> but it happens. But it happens. Wow. And don't get me wrong. I put yeah. cars on the wall, you know, in business all the time. Yeah. But I know how I got there and I know what to do next time. And I know that, fix it. that that I need to turn my TC up for this corner. Or I need to lower the brake pre- or the, the front brake pressure. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I can do things differently the next time around. Whereas if I'm following somebody and I'm in their sandbox, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I can listen to what they're saying, but if it falls at all outside of the scope of what it is that they're doing, I no longer have the ability to make critical decisions. And so again, I, I don't know. My way is not necessarily the right way. I don't want to yeah. like, my way is the hard way, <laughs> right? Like, like there's lots of ways. There's, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with the philosophy of like, I'm going to pull yeah. this and this and this, yeah. and I'm going to look behind the covers here. And this yeah. is interesting. Right. And now I've got 50 things I'm going to build into my own thing. There's yeah. nothing wrong. With right. That. That's not how I would say I did it. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm listening to like how you talk about cars and how you talk. And I'm sure like this, how it is in marketing. Cause you're saying the same thing. You love data. Oh yes. Right. It's cause you can see the data and you could see how to fix it. And you were telling me about the cars. Cause I didn't know you had that much fucking data about like your walls when you hit it with that much G force or whatever, you know, like yep. I had no idea, but that I'm just listening. I'm like, that makes so much sense how your brain works of like how you want to see, you almost want to see it fail so you can figure it out because you almost know it's going to fail for a few times until you fix it. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but no, like, you're totally right. It's almost like, especially in marketing in marketing it's all about data. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is something I'm learning more and more because I'm a sales guy. Right. I love communication. I love problem solving people. And I'm dipping into I need to learn more marketing. And so analyzing data. Right. And so when it comes to data, the more data you have, the more you can fix it. Right. Yeah. The more you can see where they stopped on your funnel or like what's happening. And the more and more you get, it's almost like you're excited to put it out there. And then it becomes a frequency game. Yeah. Right. The more frequent that I mean, same thing with selling. If you're like door to door selling, you nice. go to one door having, you don't have enough data to make any kind of stuff. Right. But if you go door, 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 and you'd bust through a shitload of doors really fast, you're going to get a lot of data. You can make better decisions. Same thing in marketing, same thing in business. I'm going to move as fast as I possibly can make new decision, new decision, new decision. And, and I'm going to analyze in between saying what's different. What happened? Why do I think that happened? I'm going to philosophize about it. I'm going to mm-hmm. think about it. And then I'm going to make new decisions mm-hmm. and then I'm going to make new choices and go and go and go and go and move really, really fast. This is what I was talking about earlier. And if I can prove something not to work, I can do that really, really fast. That's a fast thing yeah. to try to prove so that something does work. A lot of times you get held a lot. I mean, I get held up trying the same thing multiple times just to make sure that it didn't work. Yeah. And that's, that's a stupid reason. Like if I can just uh, disproved it, cool. Next disproved yeah. it. Next disproved yeah. it. Whoa, this one worked. What the hell? Why did this one work? Let's put this over here now and let's keep moving through stuff rapidly and fast. And, and this is, this is why business and everything is changing with technology because there's so much more data available at your fingertips now than there's ever been before. And it's only going to get faster. Like we got AI now that makes decisions for us. Scary. Like it's, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But dude, I mean, cause you just gave me that. So I'm just, I just had a click in my, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about guys who I know who go door door or they do marketing or whatever it is. And they go door to door to door like so they go a lot of doors, but they don't learn shit from it yeah. because they have this mentality of like the more I put into it, the more money I throw into the, the ad or the more effort I put into this door. And like if I knock 200 doors today, I'll get that many more sales 
But at the end of the day, that's not true. If you knock 200 doors and do it the exact same way that the other ones didn't buy from you, you're not going to get any better. It's the definition of insanity. It really right? is. And so what you're talking about is the cell, is the ability to just analyze, to like figure it out and just like, and just like almost play chess with what you're doing. I know so many people, because there's obviously that mentality of like, the harder you work, the better it'll be. That's not it's necessarily bullshit. true. Bullshit. Yeah, amen. Yeah, it's bullshit. You can't just work hard anymore. You have to you have to work hard, but you have to work hard up here. You have to think about it. You have to analyze what's working, what's not, and you have to be willing to test that in order to even see if it does work or not, right? You gotta be willing to be wrong. Oh, that's so big. Yeah. You gotta be willing to be wrong a lot too. A lot. I mean, that's wow. Everyone listening to this, you better take some serious notes because I'm getting notes in my head. This is amazing stuff. <laughs> so, okay, let me ask you this then, right? Someone reaches out to you. A lot of young entrepreneurs listen to this. They want to know, what do I need to do? What do you tell them? I mean, obviously they're listening to this, but like, what, what's the one thing that you, if you were to give someone like a snippet of advice, elevator, what do you tell somebody? It comes down to one thing. Start. That is it. Mm. That's the only thing that matters. People get hung up all day long about how it's supposed to look, how they do it the right way. What am I supposed to sell? Where do I put it? Do these things. It literally does not matter. The key is to start. There's there's a bajillion stairways you can take. There's so many options out there. And it all comes down to taking the first step, whatever that step is. That first step may be like, I'm going to freaking make an eBay account. That may be your first step. Your mm-hmm. first step may be calling and talking to your mom and saying, hey, can I borrow $100 to buy this? It may be signing up for a free trial at ClickFunnels. Mm-hmm. It may be, it doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. You take the first step and then guess what? There's a next step. What is the next step? There's going to be 50 options. Pick mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. do it. What happened? Did it work? Did it not work? Right? Make another step. Did it work? Did it not work? There is no magic sauce. There's no magic thing. There is literally no specific way that you have to do it. But we'll stop every, almost everybody that DMs me, all of the same thing. How do I start? I'm telling you, just fucking start. Just it does start. not matter. Well, I mean, you, you say this over and over more than anybody I've ever heard. The products don't matter. Products do not matter. The products don't matter. Like you, it does not matter what the product is. And if there's one thing that taught me that is when I learned that there's some dude out there is making six figures a year selling rocks. Right? <laughs> yeah. And what he does is he paint faces on them, writes a note to the person who buys it and becomes a pet rock. So he took a rock, he drew a face on it, and it became a pet rock, and he's making six figures a year doing that. Yeah. He's selling rocks, man. Right? Like, if you can't sell a chair, you can't sell, like, this, this, this. Like, it doesn't matter what the product service are. I mean, I mean, I, I'm talking about eBay. There's people who sell farts in a jar. Do they not? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, seriously. You can buy farts in a jar, and some dude's making money off that, right? Yep. So the product doesn't matter, but people get so caught up in the analysis process of what's the best product or service. I mean, you're. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You're not really talking about like, especially with everyone out there, like they want to hop on the next, you know, Shiba Inu or the next Dogecoin. They want to jump on the next like thing that's going to take them, you know, to get rich or that sort of thing. The trend. You don't really care. I don't care about trends, man. I don't care about trends. I don't that's, care about sexy. I don't care about all the other stuff that everybody tells you is important. It doesn't matter. What does matter? Results. Hmm. Results matter. Hmm. And if you're if you're looking at an item or a thing and saying, this is what I have to do, you're already going to be behind because at the point in which that doesn't work the way you think it is or want it to is the point at which you're going to say, this doesn't work, I'm out. And instead of doing that, if you take the first step of whatever it is, a micro step even, and you start taking these small steps, hmm. it's no longer a, this was the thing. It is now a, 
Based on my data, I'm making this decision. Based on my data, I'm making this decision. There's never, you you don't hit that wall of, I'm fucked, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> this doesn't, this clearly doesn't work, they were lying. Yeah, they're liars. You don't ever hit that point. <laughs> oh. And so. That's, okay, what you just said, I think everyone needs to hear that again. You never hit a wall of this doesn't work. You always just look at what do I need to adjust yeah. and fix. Because you, like, what I think that's just so important. You never hit a wall of saying this doesn't work. This is the cliff. This is the cliff at which I realized I've been, I knew it the whole time that, damn it, this wasn't going to work. This was the cliff. I should have seen this coming. That doesn't exist when you're taking it a step at a time and you're moving and you're moving and moving. I'm not saying you don't hit walls. Right. Because you hit walls all the time. Right. But, but you're accustomed to them because you hit a wall and you're like, cool, what? Where's the staircase around the wall? Where do I go now? What are some options I could do? What are some things I could do here? And now you're problem solving to those things. You're not fixated on this one item to sell. Mm -hmm. You're not fixated on this one methodology to use. Mm -hmm. It opens everything up. You're playing outside of the sandbox at that point. And if there's a wall there, who cares? Walk around and find the staircase. Mm. I mean, the the fact that you just, you know, start. If you And what people always wait for is they wait for the situation to be perfect, yeah. right? And if you wait for the situation to be perfect, you wait for the opportunity to be perfect, you'll be waiting the rest of your fucking life. Absolutely. Because it will never be perfect. And even along the way, it's not perfect. Because you're talking about these walls you hit. It's not perfect, right? No, not at all. You're going to jump in either early on when it's scary as shit, or you're going to jump in when it's too late, or, or whatever it is, right? If you wait till you're ready, if you wait till it's perfect, you'll be waiting the rest of your life. Yeah. So just fucking start and just be ready to make adjustments, dude. Like, this is gold, dude. I, I'm, I'm loving this. It, you're going to be, like, fired it, up, dude. It doesn't change, by the way. Like, I, I literally, we're going to do over $100 million this year. Mm. I hit walls every day. I hit walls that that if I was just starting out, I'd be like, there's no way. There's no way you can overcome this. Mm. But guess what? I do it every day anyways. And it doesn't ever change. So it doesn't, like, starting on step one or step 10 or 50 or 2 million, it doesn't matter. Right, you're still going to have those things, and those things you're going to have to figure out new stuff. And starting from the beginning with that understanding of I'm just going to figure shit out and do it, and I'm going to look for the next step, and I'm going to look at my data, dude. It changes everything. Mm. Wow. Let me let me ask you something because you you're, you talk about eBay a little bit, right? Sure. And you're you know some of your masters in e-commerce, right? But this is kind of something I want to ask you about eBay versus Amazon versus, you know, like Facebook, you know, marketplace or just Facebook in general. There's so many different platforms. I know we're talking like really they don't matter, but where do you see the future in e-commerce mostly with all these platforms? It's a good question. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, okay. I believe that the wave of e-commerce is 100% all about DTC. So direct consumer. Mm. I think direct consumer is going to be the complete way of the future. Let me define that because people get confused. People yeah, think DTC is e-commerce. So when I talk about DTC, direct to consumer, I mean that you own the relationship to the customer. So I talked about this, I think, a little bit on uh, on Sage's ClickFunnels. But yes, you did. You, yeah. you talk about like a Johnson and Johnson. Uh -huh. They sell baby soap. We're not talking about Vax here. We're talking about Some baby soap. Right? <laughs> we'll yeah. get this shut down quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Johnson Johnson sells baby soap. Do they own the relationship to the customer? They don't. Walmart and Target and Costco, they own the relationship to the customer. The same way you would look at an e-commerce store. Like if you're on Amazon, yeah. you don't own the relationship to the customer. You are not direct Amazon to consumer. Owns Amazon owns it. Mm -hmm. eBay owns it, mm. right? And so the huge wave, this is, this is going to be disruptive, is I could go get baby soap and I can make badass baby soap. It's really easy. I could take their bottle, have it reverse engineered, add a few of my own things, mm. tweak it, make it my own thing. 
and put it in my own bottle. And guess what? I can go build a relationship with brand new moms personally, and I will kick the shit out of what Johnson and Johnson does because I own that relationship now. And it was incredibly difficult when Johnson and Johnson came out, you had to have big boy money. Mm. You had to be on TV. You had to go to these places where it's really, really expensive and hard. And that's not the case anymore. You know how easy it is for me to go find a brand new mom? Really, really easy, really cheap. I mean, it's right at your fingertips and I can go build a new, I can go build this stuff. So direct to, to consumer e-commerce is the next thing. Mm. And that means that, Anything that I'm building now, I am very much focused on how do I own this relationship? How do I leverage this relationship? How do I make this mine as opposed to I sell a shitload of stuff on Amazon, Mm. right? Yeah. So, well, so do you think Amazon and these big corporations see that and they're like, like almost like, like shit in their pants for what's coming with the new wave of DTC? Yes. I mean, mm. you, you look at what Walmart did, right? Walmart owned owns DTC from a physical location right. standpoint, but you know, several years ago, their platform online was horrible. It still is. They bought uh, Jet, I believe. Was it Jet.com? Uh, something like that. I don't remember. I think exactly. it was Jet. So same thing. Jet started taking off and they're like, you know what? We have to get in this space. We have to continue to own this space. And online, it's way easier to own it than in person. It's way cheaper than in person. Mm. And so... They bought that. So there's people and, and they're spending lots of money. Target's spending a lot of money on their online ecosystem. Yes. You know, a lot of these places, they're doing that. But yeah. they're the people that already own. They understand that their leverage point is that relationship to mm. the customer. Mm. There's other big ass places like Johnson & Johnson. I don't know if they see it coming, frankly. Um, and there's other big ass places yeah. uh, that are going to be I mean, look at they're they're, they're going to be in some, some trouble as as yeah. other things come out and small people people like me I I can make something in my garage and go compete with a multi billion dollar corporation you couldn't do that mm. twenty years ago you can now I mean we do a lot of business on Amazon what I've seen is Walmart obviously because they're like there's you can own a Walmart store and sell products on Walmart now because they're getting their e commerce thing going right mm-hmm. and we saw the announcement from Target that you can do that same thing third party seller on there Home Depot is even selling doing that now right and obviously we do that on Amazon but I've noticed Walmart's took like they are not built for e commerce they're really not and they've tried and I told everyone who got in the Walmart thing I'm like wait. Because they're gonna, have, there's gonna be a lot of shit coming out that they haven't experienced like Amazon has, right? Yep. And everyone jumped on that little wave, and it's gone to shit already. Like it's, everyone's pissed off, and it sucks, right? And I, I don't know how Target's gonna learn from you know Walmart's mistakes or anything like that. But it's interesting you're saying that because obviously Amazon, they're they're calculating Amazon could be a ten trillion dollar company mm-hmm. in the next five years, right? But Amazon being a third party, you know, platform. Where does that, what's the difference in like, okay, third party platform, so I can sell my stuff on Amazon and I can have that kind of thing. But and even though I'm sending out like stuff to like customers, I'm sending out notes, it's still not the same as just owning the brand and owning the actual relationship, right? Absolutely not. Yeah. You're, I mean, you don't even get their phone numbers most of the time. You don't get their, right. like, outside of their shipping information, you don't own any of it. And it's against policy to even contact them, right? Right. You can't, you're not supposed to circumvent that. Right. And so, yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, who's, who's done an incredible job with this is Andy Frasilla, mm-hmm. right? With his first form. He, he does an incredible job with his relationship with his customers, yep. right? 
Um, so, I mean, I don't know what products you've ever sold, right? But like, let, let, throw, out a, throw out an example. What's one we could talk about uh, with like products, like chairs? Oh, let's just say chairs. chairs. Yeah, I do massage chairs. Okay, there we go. How would you develop a relationship with a client with chairs or massage chairs? Right, it's gonna be about solving problems for them, right? So something with a chair, most people aren't gonna buy it. Like Andy's thing is interesting. His relationship building is more for the longevity of the relationship. Yes, he wants right? to be your return customer. Exactly, come over and over again. If I sell somebody a massage chair, they're probably not going to buy a second one. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. So my relationship building really is on the front end. And i got to build a relationship that's strong enough for them to, one, trust that they're going to spend a bunch of money on a chair, that they're going to get the chair, that it's going to be what it is that they expect. I've got to build that relationship on the front end. And i got to do it without ever actually meeting them or without them physically seeing it or touching it or feeling it. Does that make sense? Yes. And so... So how do you do that? Just communicating. <laughs> you, this is where it gets it gets tricky. Yeah. There's there's a thousand different ways we, you can do it, but this is where the, all the beauty of marketing comes into play and and analyzing every single piece of it. When we put out a piece of content and put out a you know a new landing page or a new whatever, mm-hmm. going through each individual piece of it, saying what is this actually communicating to the customer? What is this selling them? What is it telling them? How is this fixing their problem? How is this fixing their marriage? Mm-hmm. Like it would blow your mind how many people are going to buy a massage chair to fix their marriage. It would blow your mind of how many people are buying a massage chair so they can play with their grandkids. It would blow your mind why people are actually doing the things they do and it, because it has nothing to do with a massage chair. It has everything to do with what it is that they actually want in their life. And a massage chair is just a mechanism. It is a thing that allows them to get what it is that they want. Mm. Right? Yeah. You want to have more sex in your marriage? Massage chair. Massage chair. <laughs> so... I mean, could it be as simple as like the video that you you put out, like that kind of like relays that message or sure. the copy? It's, it's that's a, it's just as simple as that yep. is what the message is, right? Yep. Now you're talking about all these different things, like play with your grandkids, right? Or you know, do you want to have more sex in your marriage? Buy a massage chair, right? Yep. Or any of these things. That's so many different demographics. You're probably testing all of those, which comes back to what you do. Is like you're testing all these different demographics, seeing which one really bites, and Guess then what? just go. Most that. of them don't work, right? <laughs> they don't. See, now I'm a master of marketing. Just listen to your. <laughs> wow. So my gosh, that's incredible. So if you like, what does your day to day look like? Because I mean, you're you're you know the owner and founder of Harvard Media, and mm-hmm. you know a few other companies. Because you're basically you know like. You got a lot of, you know, really successful businesses, right? Yep. What does your day-to-day look like? Um, honestly, it's kind of whatever I want to do. Um, <laughs> I love business. I love I love doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, and, and what I enjoy and what I'm the best at uh, is solving problems. And so I've got, you know, C-level executives on my team that, that handle most of the day-to-day stuff. They do a lot of the decision-making that, that, that falls under their category of right. uh, of stuff, but the stuff that hits my plate is the stuff that's like multi-million dollar decisions that are problematic. That could be insanely huge or can be insanely problematic. And I love solving those. I love making decisions on. I mean, it's like high stakes gambling, man. It's addictive yeah. when you just be like, you know what? I'm. I think that this is the right call, and it's not what anybody else is going to yeah. pick. But let's roll the let's fucking dice do and it. do it. Um, and uh, we'll we'll you know we'll look at the consequences of it and and. You know, we'll, it'll be pretty clear on whether or not it worked or didn't work. And, and you're analyzing gambling. <laughs> yes, you're such a, you got such an analytical mind. It's awesome. Because um, well, so you're talking about problem solving, right? We were talking like I don't know if you were you, you were yes, you were there um, at the thing yesterday talking about problem solving with Dan Fleischman, all those guys, right? Yeah. 
And I noticed, I, I was listening to all of them, they were all talking about the same thing of like, can you solve problems, right? But one thing that is interesting, so you talk about your day to day, and you know, here, the honest truth is, you have C-level, uh, you know, executives who are working on your business or, you know, managers, right? And I think we talked about this yesterday. I think one of the hardest things to do is to delegate mm -hmm. that down to somebody else because, you know, it may sound arrogant, but I don't believe anyone is as good as I am, right? And I, you probably obviously have the same mentality because sure. you believe in yourself so much and what you can do. So how are you able to delegate that down and provide maybe the training and the, the help for them to make the kind of decisions that you would make, right? Because... You know, maybe they don't have the analytical mind that you do, but you're not in that kind of day-to-day decision-making. They don't. They don't have the... They, they won't... Most of my employees and people that work with me won't have and won't make the same decision I would make. But what I would rather do is empower them to use this, which is not very often out there in this world right now. Mm -hmm. I empower them to use their own brain to make their own decisions. And so it's it's incredible what happens when you get people empowered to use their own brain to make decisions and, and the their ability to come up with solutions that I wouldn't come up with or make decisions. Now, that also means that sometimes they're going to cost me a lot of money. Yeah. I've got a sales guy that, that runs, he's actually uh, one of my, he has more employees under him than anybody else. Uh, he was a sales manager and they got this whole ring that got scammed and they got scammed uh, to the tune of about two hundred thousand uh, dollars is what he lost me. Oh, jeez! Just straight scammed over the phone, right? And <laughs> for most people, that's like a, oh man, you got to like fire right, him. Like right. this is yeah, that's not okay. And for me, we threw a fucking party the next day. We I had a cake made. I had freaking money on it. It was on fire, burning like it was epic, right? You we threw this big old party because you know what's cool? He learned. He's not going to make that problem. He's there that decision ever again. He learned it. And guess what? I backed his decision the whole way because I know that it's incredibly important for him to know that if, as long as he's using this and he makes a decision, whether it's right or wrong or in the middle, it doesn't matter. I want him to make decisions because I know that him making decisions and not having me make the decision will move us farther faster than if every fucking time he has to make a decision, he has to come to me to okay it. And I will okay that every time. And people in my, my company know that as long as they're using this, mm that I will 100% back their decision. Now, if they make a stupid decision and I'm like, why did we decide that? And they're like, ah, uh, <laughs> that's not using this. Yeah. And and there's pro we can have a problem there. Mm. But if they're like, you know what? I thought this was going to happen and this is why I thought this was going to happen. It did not. We lost a bunch of money. Guess what? I'm good. Awesome. It didn't work. Note that up. Let's not do that one again. But good job. That was a good thought. Mm. Yeah, or it was a bad thought. I actually knew better maybe. But... I'm still okay that you made the decision because you thought about it and you had a reason to do it. Wow. Do you have kids? I do. I, I would love to be your kid because every time I make a mistake, I get cake. <laughs> <laughs> they get lots of cake. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. I mean, dude, I, I feel like I could talk to you for hours, just pick your brain. Like, what? I mean, you know what's funny, though, is I thought when we were going to sit down, you were going to tell me about all these, like, you know, things and, like, all, like, all these marketing techniques, but, like, at the end of the day, what you what you just said was probably one of the most powerful things you could ever teach anybody, is just the emotion behind it, the the problem solving behind it, the ability to be accountable, and how that made the biggest difference over the actual like minute details of the actual funnel or details the, don't matter. The details don't matter, dude. You're blowing my mind right now. I hope everyone listening to this is getting their mind blown right now as well because 
This is absolute gold. I don't know how many people get the chance to hear from you, but dude, I sure appreciate you coming on, man. This was awesome to have you. Yeah, you bet. Well, so anyone who wants to get a hold of this guy, you got to follow him on Instagram if you want to just see some badass cars at the very least, right? Yeah. Um, but if you could actually follow him on, on Instagram at Jason Harward, J-A-S-O-N Harward, H-A-R-W-A-R-D. We'll link that in the bio and on YouTube. And also, you want to see some of his Lambo race car driver stuff. Is it Zealous? Zealous, yeah. Zealous? Zealous, yeah. Zealous. There we go. I'm, I'm butchering Greek god of competition and rivalry. Dude, I would not. You know what's funny is when I first met you, I would not have taken you as such a competitive guy. But you're competitive as shit, dude. Yeah. And I fucking love it, dude. You're getting my blood boiling here. I'm <laughs> loving this, man. Zealous Motorsports and his work is Harward Media. Dude, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, you bet. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you.